Sisters and brothers, welcome back, both those who are here and also those who are online. Psalm 37 says to us, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Two words we find trouble following in this day and age are to rest and to wait patiently. Because we are not really geared that way. We are constantly speaking of slowing life down. We are constantly thinking of taking more time for ourselves. We are constantly trying to readjust and reassess. But the reality is, life just gets faster and faster. There came a time during the global pandemic where we all had to slow down. And for many of us, it was a welcomed adaptation. For some of us, it was far too difficult to challenge. And we all dealt with it very differently. But in dealing with a God for whom a day is a thousand years and a thousand years a day, it is quite often necessary for us to wait and wait patiently. Of course, we all know Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it's, it's important for us to have that rest. Our Lord reaches out to us and reaches out pastorally and says two things. First of all, I know some of you are heavy laden and because you are, then you need rest. And the only place you can find that rest is in me. I will give it to you. Come to me. And I was reminded just before we started the session that the concept of coming to him is an incredibly gracious act. I am not going to invade your space. I am not going to impose myself on you. I am not going to force myself where you do not, where you do not want me to be. But I'm here. Come to me and you will find me. You know, this is one thing we say to each other. I'm here. I want you to know that I'm here. And our God says that to us on a daily basis. And yet the difference is for him, here is not a space, is not a location. Here is within us. So the journey we are asked to make is not a journey to a location. It is a journey within ourselves to find him and to place our burdens before him. It is not at a massive cost or with the use of lots of energy. 
but it is a requirement for us to seek him and find him and then in our hearts go to him. Life is a journey. Every day of our lives is part of that journey. And that journey will sometimes be easy and sometimes be difficult. It will sometimes be joyous and other times be incredibly saddening and challenging. But on every one of those occasions, in our joy, in our suffering, in our successes and our failures, he says to us, come to me. But if we're going to look at it just in this context, we're going to have this reciprocal nature with Christ that is not helpful. Over the course of this week, I've been speaking about development in our spiritual lives. And if I could just ask you in your own mind to think back I'm trying not to get into trouble here. So let's say 20 years. And think where you were in terms of understanding, in terms of self-awareness, even in formative years, in terms of expression, linguistic and otherwise. And compare that to where you think you are spiritually. What we'll find is, in terms of logic, intellect, knowledge, expression, all of those things, we would have matured and developed. And yet quite often, if we look at ourselves spiritually, or we look at our life of prayer, or we look at how we live those elements of our life, Quite often we'll find ourselves having plateaued, if not dipped. And so what we are required to do along that journey is to continue moving towards Him. Is continue developing in that way. Is continue approaching Him as He calls us to approach Him. Gently, graciously, generously awaiting us and wanting to be with us. It's also never too late. It's never too late. The, the stories of the saints, the scriptures themselves, are full of penitents who have come to the recognition of their ways and to salvation in various stages of their lives, some in late stages. And yet, our God is a loving God who gives the exact same wage even to the laborers of the 11th hour. There is never a time that is too late for us to engage with God. There is never a time that is too late for us to come to Him 
There is never a time that is too late for us to say, I got it wrong. I was wayward along my journey. I was distracted. I followed the wrong road and ended up in the wrong place, but here I am now. Because of your, your love, your patience, your generosity, your invitation, I am here now. That's why St. John Chrysostom says of our Lord that he, he gives rest to those who have come at the eleventh hour, just as to those who have labored from the first. Now, of course, it doesn't sound very equitable. It's not fair. If you're going to say this to children, it's not fair. Why would someone be working hard at something from the very first, and yet have someone come right at the end and receive the same grace and the same love and the same opportunity? It's quite simply because we're not speaking about exam results here. We're not speaking about gratuitous gifts. We are speaking about life. And God makes every opportunity possible to us to the very end. I mean, you can't cut it finer than a thief, crucified for being a thief, confessing the Lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ, asking that he be remembered when he enters his kingdom, and then being promised today you will be with me in paradise. Even up until that point. Now, of course, if you're anything like me, no one else here, I'm sure, who used to leave your studies to the very end, uh, who has a three-month lead time on a project that you are rushing through on the last night, or who has deadlines that are cut so fine that it becomes razor-sharp, we're going to do, try to do the same thing spiritually. And yet, the problem with that is we have no idea when the day is. We, we preoccupy ourselves so much with when the end of time is. And I, I don't know about you, but I've heard so many people tell me that there are calculations. And this is when the end of time will come. And they've all been wrong, so far. Too huge frustration and embarrassment, I'm sure. But even if I knew when, and we don't know, because our Lord Jesus Christ sin, says that not even the Son of Man knows the day or the hour. So we don't know. But even if we did, if I knew the end was going to come in a month's time, and I was planning towards that month, with that razor-sharp precision of doing absolutely everything I wanted to do, and right at the very end, creeping in and saying, Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom, and suddenly I hear those gracious words, today you'll be in paradise. If I die tomorrow, that plan has failed miserably. And so, unfortunately, hedging bets in that respect is not very wise. And that's only if we're speaking about it from the very clinical side. 
But from the realistic side, why is it not wise? It's because the more time we spend with Him, the more enriched we become, the more like Him we become, the more rested in Him we become, the more sanctified we become. It's not just about where we end up, it's about where we are today as well. The kingdom is not just a destination. When we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, it means may it come today in me, in my heart, in my life, that I may start living your kingdom today with everything that comes of it, with the love, the grace, the rest, the joy. And journey with that until I see it in its complete state in your kingdom. And so it's not just about planning for a destination. It's about living our life today. I am constantly reminded by those around me of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. Come aside and rest a while. Apparently I don't do enough of it. And even when I try to do it, I don't do it very well. But there is time for rest and it is necessary. Even our Lord, and he knew he would have a three-year window for his ministry. Even in those three years, he would take his disciples aside to rest. Because he knew they needed it. We sometimes have incredible encouragement from always being on the go. There is a satisfaction of being animated and active and energetic. And that's fine, as long as we are also receiving what we need to be sustained. Whether you're driving a fuel-driven car or an electric vehicle, both ways, you need to replenish your vehicle. Whether it's pouring in conventional fuels or plugging it into a wall, it is not going to run by itself. And even if it does, it will run. And when it starts to run down, it will not operate as well or as smoothly. And if you're driving a petrol car, as we all have in the past and sometimes now, if you leave it too late, when that light comes on, it stalls, spatters, and slows down. And then you are caught in the embarrassing situation of being on the hard shoulder on the M25, trying to explain why you didn't stop at the last services. Believe me, explaining it to the RAC man is going to be much easier than the day of reckoning. Because with the RAC man, he can still help you and get you to the next point of replenishing. Day of reckoning, it's pretty much done. So let's rest. Let's rest. Even God, in the creation of our world, that's a big thing. 
the creation of all we are and all we have, designated a day for rest. Now, I'm going to be slammed with accusations of hypocrisy at the moment. So anything I say now doesn't mean I practice it, but I try. But we have to rest. We have to find time to rest. It is part of our worship to rest. The period of rest was part of God's plan for creation. Because unlike God and the account of creation, once we rest, we have to start again. And the reason he gave us that example, as far as I can understand, is to tell us that we need to because he doesn't need to. But to say to us that even in the fulfillment of good things, when he looks at the creation of everything and says it is good, then looks at the creation of humankind and says it is very good. After that, he then sets aside a day of rest. Over lunch we were speaking about monasticism and monastic tradition. And we all hear about monasticism. And monasticism is one of the pillars of the Coptic Orthodox Church. It is part of our heritage and, and part of the strength of the church until today. Part of monastic practice is stillness. Now, some may think this is about doing nothing. But in actual fact, we never do nothing. We just do different things in different ways at a different pace. Even when we look at the writings of the monastic fathers and mothers, when they speak about recluse, hermitage, reflection, contemplation, it is never to do nothing. It is always just to change what we do. So when our Lord says to us, come to me, I'll give you rest. We're not there to do nothing. We are there to enjoy the beauties of something different. The beauty of stillness. The beauty of quiet. The beauty of reflection. The comfort that comes, as Saint Arsenius said, from leaving all to be with the one. Now, for people in monastic life, that is a lifelong conviction. For us, living day to day in the world, that might mean 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour of my day. But it means leaving all to be with the one. Again, I need to reassure you of one thing. These devices are wonderful. They're very helpful. They allow us to communicate. But I want to reassure you that if you leave it aside for 20 minutes, put it in a drawer, don't look at it, your heart rate will not stop. You will not flatline. And life will continue. It doesn't seem that way sometimes. 
We're constantly looking at our phones and trying to see what's coming next. Even then we can't rest. I remember listening to a, a very funny comedian who was talking about this action of, you know, when you sit somewhere and you look at your phone every couple of minutes. He said that was akin to you sitting in your front room and getting up and going to the front door and opening it every two minutes just in case someone is standing there. But that's the mindset we're in. When our Lord says, come to me and I'll give you rest, He wants to give us rest even from ourselves, from our lives, from our practices, from our patterns. The things that we do day in and day out and that have overtaken us and consumed us. And so there is a certain amount of discipline that is required. A discipline to say no. A discipline to be quiet. A discipline to listen. We find it difficult to pray. And then that when we can pray, we find it difficult to hear God's response. But maybe, maybe, it's because our God is a kind and gracious God who, as the prophet found out, is not in the storm, is not in the earthquake, is not in the fire, but is in the still, small voice. That voice that speaks in silence and requires silence to speak. Not because he can't, but because he wants us to focus and to reflect and to hear his message clearly. Because this message is not an optional extra, it is an absolute necessity. In him is life. And if we think about what we've said over the course of the day, in his message there is life. In his message there is hope. But all of those come together when we reach this state of rest. Because the spiritual journey, while exciting and edifying, is often challenging and tiring. You know, one of the symbols of Christianity is the fish that swims upstream against the current. And it is a tiring thing to do. And we look at our church from the beginning of time, and we find that the church and the faithful have constantly swum against the current. We always say, you know, but life was so much more simple. Life was easier. I don't know if that's true. Each era has its challenges. You know, I 
I can't imagine how it was for the early church when there was the relentless persecution that led to the Colosseum and led to the crucifixions and led to the sufferings and led to the martyrdom that we read about. I, I don't know what that would look like. What I do know is that today's challenges are also tiring. And we become depleted. And we find it difficult to keep going. And that's why before our tanks are empty, before our batteries are empty, before our spirits are faint, we need to stop and find rest. And that rest is only in Him. We can do our holidays, we can do our breaks, we can do our retreats. But if they are just us changing location, and yet not changing mindset or heart, they will not provide the rest we need. They'll provide physical rest. They'll provide an element of locational change. But they're not going to give us rest in spirit. In Hebrews 4, 1 to 3, that passage ends with, for we who have believed do enter into that rest, rest in Him. But we need to believe. We need to believe that in Him is life, hope, and rest. We need to believe that because we are created in an image and likeness given to us by God, He knows how we work. He knows how we function. If you have a device that is no longer working properly, you can fiddle with it. You can try to fix it yourself, usually with dire consequences, or you send it back to the people who made it because they know exactly how it was made, what it was made for, and how it can be fixed. And that is God for us. He made us, he fashioned us, an intricate union. We're not a simple creation. We are an intricate union of body, mind, spirit. An intricate union of the heavenly and the earthly. An intricate union of being created by a loving God, yet living in a challenging world. An intricate union of a heart that is pulled sometimes towards Him, and sometimes towards earth. And that is why the only place we can find rest is in Him. Because He knows all that intricacy. He created it. He made it. He knows all of that need that we have and how to best provide for it. So our journey today has been about going to our Lord. But we need to remember, 
is that he is, he was, and he will always be. He is unchanging. He is perfect. He is faithful. He is the truth. And when he promises something, he delivers it. When he promises to be there, he will be there. When he promises to never leave us, he will never leave us. When he promises to give us life, in him is life. When he promises to give us hope, he is our hope and our joy. When he promises to give us rest, that rest is in him and in him alone. And so moving on from today, let us journey with him and towards him. Let us accept his invitation and approach him. And like the father and the prodigal son, if he sees us taking that step, he will run to us he will cover the iniquity. He will reclaim us with the ring. He will protect our journey with the sandals. And he will rejoice in us and with us, both here and eternally in his kingdom. And glory be to God forever.